Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 43 for Friday, October 12th. I'm Alex Huey, here today with Ray Estrada. And, uh, you know, to start things off, I'm just going to tell a little story right now. It's story time. You ready? You, you, got your, you got your snacks, you got your popcorn to settle in for, uh, for my, my personal experience with the, uh, the playoffs so far. Let me, let me take you back here to, uh, I believe, yep, Tuesday night, Game 4 of the American League Division Series between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Of course, big Yankees fan here. I had to stay up and watch these games. I'm all the way in Sweden here. Game started around 2.30 local time, in the morning, in the a.m., that is. And, um, you know, things not off to a good start. Red Sox jump out to an early lead. And, you know, I've kind of accepted accepted my fate. I'm disappointed, of course, but it's, um, you know, it, it happens to everybody's team. Until the ninth inning rolls around, at which point I say, you know what? Screw it. We're doing this. We're coming back. And I get really into it. And you know what? Craig Kimbrell obliges and nearly blows the game for the Red Sox. I was pumped. It's about 5 in the morning at this time. I'm, I'm talking to myself every single pitch that's thrown, every single ball I'm cheering for the Yankees. You know, batter to batter, everybody's putting up good at bats. And um, you can imagine my disappointment when Gary Sanchez hits a fly ball about 10 feet from leaving the ballpark to win the game for the Yankees. And uh, the game ending on... The, uh, the very next out. So uh, clearly was not happy. About 5.30 in the morning at this time, I am yelling in my studio apartment. Neighbors, of course, are asleep at this time. I don't care. It, 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 there's, there's no regard for anything. There, I'm lucky there's not a hole in my wall right now. But um, that was my Tuesday night. And I am... For one, still upset about what happened, but at the same time, I will no longer have any stories like that from this postseason, staying up till 5.30 in the morning. So that's how I wanted to start this one here, was just with, you know, a little little personal story to get that part off my chest anyway. But um, yeah, of course, we're go- I'm going to talk all about this series and what the Yankees did wrong. And, you know, we'll start there. We'll talk about the uh, the LCS previews, the teams that advanced. Don't worry about that. I know your Dodgers are advancing, so you have no such anguish right now. You don't share. Not yet, at least. And I hope I don't have any anguish for the rest of the postseason, but who knows? You know what? I, I wish you the best of luck, buddy, because Thank you. this was a rough one. Of course... <laughs> this was this was the World Series for me, man. This is the rivalry. This is this was everything on the line, and um, yeah, I uh, I still get flustered thinking about it. None of my friends here understand why I was in such a bad mood the next day, but um, that's that's how it is. That's how it is here. Uh, so let's let's talk about this for a second. Um, there, I think this was unequivocally the uh the most interesting series none of the the lds series went five games this year 
but the Red Sox-Yankees series had a lot of drama going on in, in other facets of the game as well, including uncertainty about start times. We'll talk about that more in depth in just a little bit too. But... <laughs> Um, and really, Angel Hernandez. And Angel Hernandez. There's yeah. There's there's so much to talk about from this series. So many great storylines. Let's just talk about what what the problem was. It was the starting pitching, of course. Um, the bullpen for the Yankees was incredible, as expected. You know, it's it's one of the best in the game. It's one of the best ever. Um, underutilized, to say the least, and. The Yankees just really couldn't hit the Red Sox for the most part the entire series. But I wanted to start by talking about Jay Happ, our midseason acquisition, who was supposed to add to that pitching depth, and uh, Luis Severino, who really looked like he was going to you know, bounce back after a pretty good wild card outing against the A's. And really had... I can't even I can't even talk about it. I it was one of those outings where you can't even be mad because it's just it it looks like it looks like a like a puppy being kicked to death out there. Like you can't you can't even be angry at him for for what happened. It was a That's blowout. That's a very dark analogy for it's seeing a, a guy get rocked. But <laughs> it was it's not like he's getting rocked like he's walking batters and you're just angry at him. You know, I the Red Sox were just hitting. They they hit. What seven singles were their first hit to to start off the game, and then you know they hit a lot of things other than singles as well. Thanks Brock Holt for delivering the first postseason cycle ever. Didn't realize that that was the only one, but um, you know what I mean. It was just it was just a brutal brutal outing for for all parties involved there on the Yankee side. So. Those were the two biggest standouts. I, I can't imagine CC Sabathia is coming back to the Yankees. And if he does, then he's not pitching in the playoffs again. I'm sure of that because that was not an effective outing. He's just, he can't, you can't do it with 90 miles an hour anymore in the postseason. It just can't be done. So these are the first impressions on my end, when I look back on the series and look at, you know, look at, I look at the problems, but I'm, I'm also, generally speaking, an optimistic person. I think that the Yankees do have plenty going for them in the coming years. People can look at Stanton and say, oh, you did nothing. Like, we're wasting millions of dollars on a guy who can't even hit in the playoffs. And I just, I don't think that's, that's going to be the case. He's, he's just too good to be a non-factor in any future playoff series. Gary Sanchez looked like Gary Sanchez of old and not the uh, like the 186 batting average Gary Sanchez that saw during the season. Aaron Judge, of course, is fully back. He was amazing the entire time. I'm, I'm still just amazed at how, how poised he is. And on the biggest stage, he just gets it done. And... Yeah, of course, the bullpen was unbelievable. And I really hope that the Yankees are able to retain as much of that as they can because, you know, there's a lot to like there. So let me stop 
with my Yankees spill right now. I'm going to let you talk a little bit. You had a more impartial view of the entire thing. And maybe let's just start. You'll be able to tell everybody a little bit more about why the Red Sox were so insanely good. Um, I, I think, well, the Red Sox, you said it, they're insanely good. Um, put up 16 runs on the Yankees in game three. The only game they lost was David Price, who just can't beat the Yankees or do well in the postseason for his life. Um, so, I mean, the, the Red Sox just look miles better than the Yankees in this series outside of the David Price game. Um... And Mookie Betts, you know, wasn't spectacular at the plate. J.D. Martinez had a three-run home run. Um, as I mentioned, Brock Holt, postseason cycle. Chris Sale was solid. Chris Sale had a relief appearance in game four. I believe he threw a scoreless inning. Um, and the thing is, Craig Kimbrell, he – a lot of people are mad at Stanton because he couldn't hit in that situation. But most of the guys on in that inning were – via the walk not because they hit off Craig Kimbrell um <laughs> yeah some people are saying that the Yankees would have walked off the Red Sox if they just did not swing the bat that entire inning and th- that might be accurate because <laughs> that might be accurate but you go up there and try and tell me that you can just not swing at anything Craig Kimbrell throws you um and try and do that stuff um so, yeah no, the Red Sox are the best team in baseball right now um I mean, I know the Indians look really good, or sorry, the Astros look really good, but that might be because of the Indians not playing very well. Um, but the Red Sox were just better than the Yankees, playing simple, and the Yankees didn't do themselves any favors to try and catch up to the Red Sox. Yeah, and I can't, I can't even be mad. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I am mad. But really, I shouldn't be because the Red Sox... You're not mad, you're disappointed. ...were that much... I'm both, for sure. (laughs) But the Red Sox, man, they get contributions from everywhere. And that just wasn't the case. Brock Holt sat game four, and everybody's like, yeah, that makes sense. Because they knew they were going to be fine. Yeah. And can I just say something also about the entirety of the series on both sides of things... Is it normal for that many balls to go to the warning track? Because I felt like... In Yankee Stadium, yes. There were... You're Yankee, man. You should know how much of a joke that stadium is. (laughs) Do you know... Do you... I don't even... I I would want to go back and count them because I felt like it was an absurd amount of flyouts to the warning track or lineouts to the warning track throughout the entire series at either ballpark. I mean, you know, I talked about that Gary Sanchez flyout that almost put himself into to Yankees lore forever. But, you know, he, he missed it by, you know, like 10 feet. Another catch on the warning track. Ian Kinsler missed a grand slam by two feet earlier in the game with Gardner making a catch the ball. The very first pitch of that game was Aaron Hicks flying out to the warning track. Like, Gleber Torres had another one in there. There's There were so <laughs> many occasions where I was just holding my breath. And I... I don't know if it was just that I was extra amped up, but there certainly were a lot of outs made that caused a lot of extra stress in that way. So I don't. I'm gonna 
watch some more of the uh, the series going forward and see if it was uh, see if it was a fluky occurrence. But man, flyouts the warning track. I didn't really realize this before. They get your heart pumping more than home runs even because oh my god, that's that's unbelievable. But um, all right, let's get into the the juicy stuff here. Let's get into Timegate. Game three, <laughs> Luis Severino starts warming up eight minutes before scheduled game time. I am not a major league pitcher. I don't work for a major league staff. I don't think that's a normal thing to start warming up for a game eight minutes before the start time. This is a major league postseason game. I like. I, there's lots of pregame stuff that happens, and I know the pitchers warm up through that time, but... Still, that's a very short amount of time. That's when he went to the bullpen. So, if that's normal, cool. But there's other little clues that indicated that the Yankees did not know when Game 3 was starting. It started at 7.40 p.m. local time, I believe, which is different than, you know, normal 8 o'clock, 8.05, 8.07 start time. But <laughs> there was... um. There was a few other things that made it seem like the Yankees just were not ready to play. So one of the uh, the more obvious things was Brett Gardner in the outfield, started in center field. He, he appeared to like go over to the bullpen to tell them something right before the inning started and changed it was changing shoes in the dugout after the first inning. I think he was wearing trainers out in center field in the first inning just based on what it looked like on TV and the fact that he, like, put other cleats on when he got back in the dugout. So there's that. Your center fielder wasn't wearing cleats to begin with. There was Gary Sanchez, who in the first inning didn't have any of the uh, the nail polish that catchers use to, to show their signals to the pitchers to make that easier. None in the first inning, and then, you know, put it on after the first inning and was ready to go. The rest of the game with that, um, and there was also a little, a little interesting thing with Gary Sanchez texting Alex Rodriguez about what time the game started. He's texting a, a guy who's up in the, the in you know on TV. He's he's in the the uh, analyst booth for for Fox at this point or whoever was broadcasting the game. TBS. I don't remember. But well, he he's studio analyst for Fox, I assume in LA, and Fox did not have the the game for them. TBS had the game, but I assume yeah, but A-Rod but knew. but A Rod shared this on social media. And and said that well, yeah. like, Gary Sanchez is asking what time this game starts, and th- that's such it's still just such a weird thing to do. I there's that's not a it's not something you do in like a joking fashion. And if you no, yeah. genuinely need to know what time the game starts, then you ask one of the many staff on your team, or literally anybody. That's or you can at look the at ballpark, your phone. Or you can open up the app. At there's clearly some confusion, so that's why he's texting somebody who, you know, presumably would would know, you know, the 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 TV schedule side of things a little bit better. So there was a it's quite a conspiracy theory that's been thrown together here and for some reason Aaron Boone has 
has taken the brunt of the blow because that's what managers do. But people are, it's it's quite a joke to to hear everybody, um, wondering if Aaron Boone knows what time things are starting or any time that any game is brought up is like make sure Aaron Boone knows what time this starts. Like he he is I guess now responsible for making sure his entire team knows when the game starts, which I guess is true. But I also, true, like, but the heck, do you realize how many organization... people? Do you realize how many people should work at a ballpark for a major league team on any given day? Like, it's not just Aaron Boone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take his back on that one. But it is fun to, uh, to, to you know, kind of, yeah, blame it on one person. And I don't know how much that had to to play into the whole outcome of the game. But that's certainly something I've never even heard of before. I mean, Angel Hernandez didn't even realize that there was a, ba- a major league game being played. I don't was Here's the thing. That's a, that's a separate issue because as first of all, you just they they just took a day after two days in Boston to travel to New York. How do you assume baseball doesn't work like the NBA where there's three days off in a series? They play two games, day off, in this case two games uh if necessary day off if necessary there's no way angel hernandez should have thought that there i don't know how he thought there wasn't a game that day that is a separate issue and maybe he was the one to tell them what time the game started and because of his ineptitude he had no idea there was a game that day maybe yeah well i don't know there's there were a lot of problems i angel hernandez in that game it, specifically had five calls at first base go to review and four of them were four. over no four of them were overturned no no he had four go to the review three overturned okay we have different facts in this one i'm gonna look it up because i'm all about correctness on this side of things but that was another little note and of course people hate umpires angel hernandez is the the poster child for yeah for hated umpires. i will note he was fine behind the plate in Game Four. He was, I, I will agree with that. And uh, just in case you're wondering, no Angel Hernandez on either of the uh, the championship series. Nope. Umpire Joe West Cruz. is the crew chief for the LCS, though. Yeah, that should be fun. He's he's always uh, impartial and level headed. <laughs> so he's also a bad umpire, but he's not a dick about it like Hernandez is. So he's fun. Well, okay, we'll see about that. But there's um, I don't know, what was I talking about? We were talking about the Red Sox and the Yankees. We're Aaron, talking about teams that lost. We're talking. We're, we're trying to do an LCS preview. You know what? There, there's important things to them. talk about. Like, we didn't even talk about Aaron Judge jinxing the Yankees by blasting New York, New York, going down the uh, the Fenway Concourse. So, you know, there's that as well. Or the Yankees fans chanting, "We want." Yankees fans chanting, "We want Boston after the wild card game." Okay, that's a pretty cool chant. You gotta admit. I also thought play New York, New York was baller, but apparently that's a jinx now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, these are this is this is in the past. There were a lot of you know great things to come out of this series, despite the outcome. Um, Red Sox fans, screw you, but congratulations. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about the other side of the, 
American League matchup there. The Astros swept the Indians. It was not really close at any point in time. The Indians just got destroyed. George Springer in the playoffs is something else, man. Let me tell you. But Astros, Red Sox. I I have nightmares about him. Yeah, I, I know you do. So that's the matchup there. I don't even know what to 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 say about the the Indians in this series or what they did wrong. They just here here's a here's a good thing about a good stat to tell you how the Indians played. Teams that scored first in the LDS games, I believe LDS and Wildcard teams that scored first were um 14 and 2. Those two losses were the Indians in games 2 and 3 of their series. So the only teams to let any type of comeback happen were the Indians. That tells you anything how the Indians played. Okay. I I don't think I knew that, so that's pretty pretty neat. Um the Indians didn't hit at all. That was Nope. That was it. And then, you know, their their bullpen is not what it used to be. Starting Andrew pitching Miller was, is not what he used to be. Certainly not. But there was um it wasn't like they were they had awful starting pitching. Of course it was like no. one of the best stat it was the best pitching matchup in baseball. And it just didn't even matter. The the Astros took care of business <laughs> there. They were they were just like decisively better in pretty much every facet of the game. So Maybe the Astros are going to storm their way right back. They got to go through a 108-win team, though. So that's going to be a fun series to watch. Let's let's talk about the keys to this series. Of course, this is, you know, this is, a, this is the World Series. Whoever wins this is going to be a favorite over the National League team. Because the National League, I've harped about it all year, is just so much weaker than the American League, especially at the top end of things. All year long, individual from an individual player standpoint, from from a team record standpoint, it's it's not even close. So I am actually going to be rooting for whatever AL team makes it into the playoffs, just for this one point. If it's the Red Sox, so be it. I want them to sweep the National League just to show that I was just to just on, to prove a point. Just to prove a point, yes. I like being right, just like everybody else. So there you go. But Red Sox, Astros is going. They're the two best teams remaining right now, right? Like on paper, in pretty on much paper, every way. Yes. Can you say that much at least? Yes. Um, there are certain players on on both sides of the ball that need to show up. Why don't Why don't we just start with? You know, I I don't know. Is it worth it to? Is it Is it groundbreaking analysis to say that Mookie Betts needs to show up in this series? Yeah, of course he does. That is he's a, the that is a hot he's take. the he's the MVP or he's the the runner up to the MVP at the very least if if Mike Trout gets any love. But this is like this is not groundbreaking stuff to say that the Red Sox with you know Ben Intendi and JD Martinez and Xander Bogarts need to show up and and play in this series if they want to win. Like that's that's pretty obvious. So Let's let's they go. Need to score more runs. Let's go. Uh, keys to the series. They need to score more runs than the Astros. To yeah, win. we've otherwise we've it's going to be before. really hard to beat them. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, 
and we don't we also don't have to say Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole need to be phenomenal pitching wise for the Astros to like come on let's let's go a little bit deeper let's talk about some of the players you know near the, the bottom end of the lineups that that you know bullpen pieces that could be key yeah, and I'm I'll start it off just to to give it a little example of what I'm talking about here um I think that the the fact that Steve Pierce, who was who played a huge role in taking down the Yankees, ended up hitting in the three spot in the last game even against Sabathia, just because he's a lefty killer. But he was he's been playing well the whole series. He's probably one of the hottest bats in the Red Sox right now. I do think that the Astros will be able to neutralize him almost entirely. Probably Mitch Moreland too, if I'm being honest. On on that side of things, so. That's a really big, you know, depth piece or pieces platoon for the Red Sox that you're going to be losing um, if you're you're really not facing any left-handed pitchers and they're just really dominant pitchers at that. So you take that out of the equation, that changes things there. Um, that's just you know one point that I'll that I'll make. Is there anything similar on on either side that? you know, really looks like it's going to be a, an X factor. Um, I think the Astros bullpen, I think that's going to be their key. Um, you mentioned how well the Yankees bullpen pitched. It was the starting pitching that took them down. Um, the Astros starting pitching is fantastic. Um, Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Dallas Keuchel. Uh, and then I, I don't McCullers and McHugh both pitched out of the bullpen in the LDS. Um, is Charlie Morton rostered right now? Like, is he healthy? I, I actually I do not know. I don't know. I was going to ask you that. Um, I know at the end of the season he was dealing with some sort of Yeah, I think he had like a hamstring or something like that. I wasn't sure if he's uh, he's been fully tuned up. Let's let's look. Yeah, but either way, their starting pitching is their strength. The bullpen has some question marks, I would say, compared to the Yankees. Um, so matching up against... The bets, the Benatendis, J.D. Martinez's, whoever is in, in in the Moreland Pierce platoon, I think that is a big key for the Astros. Um, once you get into the late innings, because I don't think the Astros are going to be able to hit off the Red Sox like they did off the um, Indians bullpen. Wait, you don't think the Astros will be able to hit as well against the Red Sox? Is that as what well. Said? Not saying they're gonna hit bad against Red Sox, but oh, I, think... I think they they will do perfectly fine against a pretty sad looking Red Sox bullpen. If there was anything that I saw from the Yankees series, because this is a team that can pummel fastballs really, and then you look at Boston's bullpen. You know, you got some guys that throw hard, but I don't think anybody anybody on the Astros is gonna have a problem facing you know like a Brandon Workman type. You know anybody other than Craig Kimbrell basically is um is not looking too hot against the Astros. The Astros hit off of relief pitchers incredibly well. Jose Altuve led all of baseball in batting average against relief pitchers, which is which says something because this is an era where you have the best the best arsenals, the best stuff coming out of the bullpen in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And it's a team that really isn't too phased by it. I do agree that the Astros bullpen, with all the uncertainty throughout the year, 
is going to have to uh, really lock down against an equally potent Red Sox offense. But, man, I don't... The Astros are much scarier of a lineup to me, which is which is crazy to say about this Red Sox team that has contributors all around. But I think just one through nine, they do have a better lineup. That's, that's yeah, what I, agree I think. that. Be- because... You know, there's there's question marks in the Astros for sure. Carlos Correa has been a huge question mark because he hasn't really been himself. He's been kind of battling injuries. He hasn't he hasn't looked comfortable yet. So that can change in a heartbeat. It can change like that. That's how that's how quickly this game can turn around for you. But yeah, maybe he hits a 41 to relaunch and go home run like he did in the World Series last year. I sense I, I sense you're still salty about that one. I am 100% salty about that. That is a ridiculous home run to hit. Okay. Well, you, so the point is, I do think the Astros have a really good chance to to knock out the Red Sox here. But again, I cannot rule out a 108-win team. That's just it's impossible. And yeah, this, no. was the, uh, this was the division series matchup last year, mind you. A lot of the same faces, a lot of the same pitchers. Also remember Alex Cora was the bench coach in the Astros last season. Oh, maybe he's got some insider knowledge here that'll, that'll yeah. take him down. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hopefully everybody knows what times the games start, though, so we get to see the best yep. baseball possible. Uh, we spend a long time talking about the American League for well, you, for good reason. Hey, Yankees. hey, I'm not I'm not saying it's it's anybody's fault, but <laughs> it kind of is. Let's um let's talk about the National League championship series the brewers decimated the rockies do we even have to talk about it um um can we just talk about how good the brewers pitching was slash how bad the rockies hitting was in the series uh, i think it was a perfect with a couple perfect of perfect combination of both that led to zero runs for the rockies basically go with the stats though so the brewers swept the rockies um a very tired rockies team uh the rockies the brewers pitched 19 straight scoreless innings to finish the series. Um, in a three-game series, they played 28 innings because there was an extra inning game in game one. Um, so out of the 28 innings they played, the Rockies only scored in one of them. That was the ninth inning of game one to tie it. So, yeah, the Rockies only scored in one inning all series. So Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, so <laughs> the Brewers absolutely thoroughly dominated the Rockies in this series. Um, so, yeah, we don't need to talk much about what happened in that series because nothing really happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... In, okay. a, in a series that really, if you looked at it on paper, should have had tons of offense. Yeah, and you talked about a tired Rockies team. It wasn't that long ago. Game 163, wild card, you know... Last time we talked. Drama, yeah, it's it's something, man. That was Here's that's, a, that's a win for the that you know what I will say it. that's a win for the Cubs. What is a win for the Cubs? This this Brewers win, that's a win for the Cubs. No, you, you're not you're you, you're not you're not up to to date on your meme culture, your baseball meme culture. No, I'm not. It's a uh, it's a blanket statement that applies to everything. How about that? How, at this point, because you okay. you you know the origin of that, right? From, Maybe. from the wild. Okay, I, I guess I have to explain now. I thought you knew about this one. 
It no, was uh, I... the it was the wild card the NL wild card game, Rockies and Cubs, and uh, Jessica Mendoza in like the eleventh inning when or whatever inning it was that the Rockies ended up taking the lead when Trevor Story hit a single to start the inning. She said oh. that's a win for the Cubs because he didn't hit a home run or something, and he ended up scoring the go ahead run. So it is cemented in postseason meme culture to say that's a win for the Cubs. Any I was listening anytime to the anything happens. Okay, probably the right call. Except you miss out some on some on some gems from the ESPN <laughs> booth. So um, that is in fact a win for the Cubs, as is every other you know event in this series. I think by this point, actually, the Cubs probably have like won the pennant just just by how many wins they've had. <laughs> but the uh, the Brewers are going on with a ton of momentum. The Dodgers pretty much handled the Braves in a similar fashion. The Braves did sneak away with one game. Um, it almost gave away that one game. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there was um, <laughs> that one that one at-bat in particular that, that stood out was Walker Buehler versus Ronald Acuna when he hit a grand slam in that game three that the Braves ended up winning. It was a um, it was a bases loaded jam. Walker Buehler is not looking good. On a three zero count, throws a pitch probably about like four inches above the letters of Acuna, and uh, whoever I, for whoever's umpire inexplicably inexplicably calls it a strike as Acuna is about to head first. Braves fans are abs- they they are probably pissed for all of two seconds before the very next pitch he hits out of the ballpark, and and now and immediately after like everybody's like thank you for calling that a strike thank you for not walking <laughs> a, walking our best hitter with the bases loaded that was the biggest turnaround. well he just walked a pitcher on four pitches with bases loaded so yeah and i this is i'm i'm not a i don't really have a horse in this race but i, I can only imagine as a braves fan going from from pure rage from get from having that call miss to just pure euphoria and excitement the like only seconds later that must be a quite a turnaround there so this is the matchup dodgers and brewers i can't really give any edge to the brewers other than the fact they just have so much momentum because they're starting and their bullpen is probably much better than the dodgers also i will say but over seven it's much better but the dodgers it's like the Brewers and Dodgers in September bullpen ERA were one two, but the Brewers were like over a full run better than the Dodgers. Well, the Brewers didn't allow any runs ever this postseason. Yeah. So, I mean, even on paper, you know, if you're looking at the the arsenal that they have, Brewers have the edge in bullpen. The Dodgers though have much more. They have a way better starting rotation. I don't know if the Brewers can last a seven game series with just their bullpen. Maybe they can't. They have so much momentum. I've said that multiple times now that, you know, I really do think they have a chance. Yeah, I mean, momentum is a big thing, but I worry about how good were the Rockies actually in the last series. Were the Brewers that good? Were they just, they totally blitzed the Rockies? Their pitching is that dominant? They can shut down that lineup? Or were the Rockies really just down? going throughout that whole series i think that's that's something that can be can be asked about the brewers not saying they're they haven't been playing well but 
are they that good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, we'll see. They go to, to L.A. to start things off. Or no, they no, no they, no, they go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee. How about that? That's, okay. Um, there's <laughs> Kershaw versus Gio Gonzalez to start it off. And then it devolves very quickly for the Brewers who go at, with Wade Miley in game two against wait, it, it Wait, it devolves past Gio Gonzalez? Yeah. Wade Miley, man. It is. It doesn't it doesn't devolve with starting game one with Gio Gonzalez. I mean, at least Gio Gonzalez is like a real pitcher at some point in his career. <laughs> like Wade Miley, <laughs> this is Baltimore Orioles great Wade Miley. Like I don't even know where he had the best stretch of his career. Yulis Chasid is the game three starter, and I uh, give me the over under on for the first three starters in this series for the Brewers. Give me the over under on like nine innings pitched total for them. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good number to set. Um, I'll take the over. You'll take the over, but at the same time, like nine—that's three innings apiece, and you had to think about it. Like it very well could happen that the Brewers go to their bullpen in the in the fourth inning or in the third inning of any of these games because that's how that's how good their bullpen is compared to their starting rotation. I'm gonna be interested to see how many innings Josh Hader throws in this championship series. So if you want to talk about X factors, it's going to be Josh Hader for one, you know, you can throw any name in the nap open that you want, but um, yeah, Josh Hader for me is going to be, you know, the guy, the go-to guy pretty much the whole time. And then, you know, on the Dodgers, I don't know. Are there any like depth, bats or depth pitchers that you think will will come into play here for them um i think for the dodgers the 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 brewers certainly know what they're doing um starting two lefties against them in the series because they're maybe max muncie starts one of those games even though he has reverse splits but he sits the versus left-handers um david freeze is probably gonna did you say he has reverse splits but he sits against left-handers yeah it's weird that doesn't make any sense no it doesn't Okay, never. Just continue. <laughs> uh, not not as huge reverse splits as say Puig against right-handers, um, reverse splits. But um, yeah. So David Freeze will play first in that situation. Came up big in the game four against the Braves, uh, and obviously a October master it seems, David Freeze. But um, he'll be big. The Dodgers right-handed lineup improved um was one of the better teams in September against left-handers when throughout the year they weren't very good. Manny Machado helps a lot with that. Um so it'll be interesting I I it's really a chess match between the two managers. Craig Council, Dave Roberts have a lot of moving parts and they're willing to move those parts. So um that'll be interesting to watch during this series. Um, has Brian Dozier made it to a championship series in his career? He's been with the Twins, so no. <laughs> yeah, I, I sometimes I forget how long it's been since the Twins were actually like making postseason runs. No, we talked about the. Didn't we talk about in the offseason with the Twins? How you know my point though. Brian LDS Dozier. Is, yeah. Brian Dozier's in new territory right now, and he's not even a regular player. But it's still Brian Dozier. Like I, I it's it's unbelievable to me that he's not even a starter for this Dodgers team. Because he has not been good for the Dodgers. Well, yeah, but you talked about you talked about matchups, you talked about 
you know, the kinds of depth bats it was going to take. Right-handed bats, Brian Dozier fits every description of that and is more than capable of, you know, Yes, but he will probably still not start against uh, left-handers. He might not. He might not because there's just too many options. Like you, because Kiki, I can't, Kiki Hernandez plays second. I cannot imagine the Dodgers not starting Max Muncy also, which is, like, did they do that in the division he, series? Uh, Yeah, I don't believe he started against Newcomb. He is maybe bar Justin Turner, their best hitter. This is even exactly. like with Manny Machado in the mix that I'm talking about. And I he's legitimately a think player and he's, right and now, right now, I think Max Muncy is a more dangerous bat than Manny Machado. And maybe because I just said that Manny Machado is going to win the championship series MVP because, because why not? But that's, that's the truth. Like there's Max Muncy has been the best hitter for the Dodgers this season. I don't know how you can even think about benching him for David Freeze. Um, but but he's that's been a consistent thing throughout the year, at least throughout the second half. So it's it's astounding to you know Dodger fans and stuff it's like, no, it's not like he's had the success and now he's deciding to bench him. He's had this success while being a platoon player. Didn't Max Muncy hit a home run off a lefty just in the division series? If I'm I not mistaken, he, yeah, yeah, he did against Max Freed. All right, cool. I don't even know what more you Again, need. You need I don't know this. why he's not starting. He he will probably start one of the two games because he had a home run um, off a lefty in game one sixty three, didn't he? Or was that off for righty? Um, I don't, I don't remember. remember who it was. Okay, never mind. The point is, Max Muncy's really good. Um, yes, and this is the kind of analysis that you need. Keys to the game for the Dodgers is Cl- Clayton Kershaw being the best pitcher in baseball. Can he do it? More at eleven. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap up for now. I, I'm going to just go ahead and assume that it's it's Dodgers for you on the National League side of things. Yes. I will say this about the start times. We're talking about start times. The Dodgers and Brewers start time for the potential game five, which is this coming Wednesday at Dodger Stadium, is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, time. Alex Bregman was venting about how the Astros had pretty much all-day games in the division series. That's what happens when Red Sox-Yankees is going on alongside that. But um, the day games but kind of this suck. is a championship series yep. in the middle of a week. Yep. On the West Coast, yep. where the other games are <laughs> happening in the Central and Eastern time zone. There is no excuse for a day game during the week with the situation that they have for the championship series. That's more egregious than than having the Red Sox and Yankees take primetime precedent over Astros Indians. Yeah, I would say so. Um, on the American League side, real quick, just say say nothing more than the team name, Red Sox or Astros. Red Sox. Astros, please. Even I hate both of them. Astros, please. <laughs> I hate the Astros more. I also picked the Red Sox to go to the World <laughs> Series. Um, so I am going with All the right. Red Sox. Watch a lot of baseball. Enjoy the championship series in the middle of the afternoon at a time that makes no sense. And, um, yeah, that will do it for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this one. Um, if you enjoyed, make sure to... You know, rate, comment, subscribe, and check out our website, betheshiftbaseball.com, uh, to see all our podcasts and everything else. So, I will also say, we have been tweeting a lot more this postseason as we watch these games, so make sure you follow us on Twitter, 
at BeatTheShiftBP and talk to us there because we have actually been active during this postseason and it's a lot of fun. So if you want to see our, our takes as we watch the games or just, you know, hang out and chat with us, you can do it there. All right, that is it. Thank you one last time. As always, Ray. Peace. Start spreading the news.